This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated. A no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring. We're good. I know the process was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. And with that, uh, one of the greatest careers in sports, if not the greatest career in professional sports history in the United States, comes to an end on a beach right outside uh, I guess right outside where he's living in there in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady announcing his retire his second retirement exactly a year after the first retirement, which lasted less than a month and a half. And man, what a what what a what a year <laughs> it has been for Tom Brady. Not the sort of year that I think he or uh, anybody else would have imagined when he announced his retirement a year ago. We didn't even know he'd be playing again. I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised by this retirement. Matt Jones, you know, I've been open the last few weeks about the thought that I thought he was going to end up going play somewhere else. Uh, more than anything, it's, it's because I just think there are some people that have um, an addiction to, you know, why they do what they do for a Competition, living. yes. Whether it's the rush of uh, or the joy you get out of, out of what you do for a living uh, and you just can't picture yourself, you know, doing anything else. I think in Brady's case... It, it's the addiction to competition and proving people wrong, you know, which felt like one reason why it came back again last year. Um, but, uh, man, it wasn't a good season for the Bucs, even with a division championship, more losses than wins. Brady did not look like himself or what we are used to seeing from him. And, uh, heck, we were even kicking around the idea yesterday. It was Nolan Ryan's birthday yesterday. He pitched into his age 46 season, and I thought Tom Brady would, would do it again, would, you know, play quarterback at his age 46 season. But, no, comes uh, comes to an end. And I guess, I mean, Matt, I mean, this morning it, it comes to me as a surprise, but I think, you know, as, as, this, as, as this will fade away in the next couple of weeks, not too much of a surprise to see a 45-year-old man who's played 24 years of the most punishing sport in the world uh, to, uh, to call it well, a career and move on to something else that he's going to be pretty good at, I assume. Absolutely. All I can do is tip my hat to Tom Brady. I think I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to share the field with him uh, three times, and I was 0 for 3, uh, two playoff losses and one regular season loss. Uh, so he he definitely 
he definitely get it done. The thing that you noticed this year and last year, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Phil, with Peyton Manning, his last couple years, how his ball didn't look as sharp. And same thing with Tom Brady. He cannot make that level two throw 25 yards down the field that all these young quarterbacks can, and it's tough. Uh, to continue, and he's so smart and so talented, and and that's that's just one little thing. Is is kind of the first thing to go. Couldn't move that well, but he uh he he's still one of the best to ever play. Now he's if if I'm choosing a quarterback, I'm not choosing him first. Uh, but there, there's a lot of people out there that would, and those seven uh, Super Bowl rings kind of. I mean, what that's enough said right there. Yeah, I mean, there's only a select few that you would, you know, even entertain the idea of of choosing ahead of Brady if you were going to start a football team. First ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. Yeah. Well, I, and I think Brady is the kind of guy that's going to get every single vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's awfully rare. I don't know if that's ever happened. Well, he handled in Canton. Well, and I kind of compare it to LeBron James a little bit. He's handled everything kind of the right way in the news for the right reasons, not in the news for the wrong reasons. You know, LeBron got beat up because he was donating a million dollars to a boys club saying he's taking his talents down to Miami and everybody got upset with him. But it's like he was giving back to, you know, and starting that school. Tom Brady's doing the same thing. He does. He's not in the news for the wrong things. He, he's, he's, went, he's went about everything, it seems like, the right way. Yeah, except uh, for Deflategate, but yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, yes, there was there was that. Those are, those are competition things, you know. Like that's that's a different it's a different thing, but yeah. Well, then that's not really. Look, that's not the kind of thing that I think um, necessarily tarnishes the legacy when you look right down to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of it kind of goes. It's on the list of things that you know about him when it comes to his career, but a it doesn't keep him out of Canton. It doesn't keep him from getting every single vote possible whenever it is that he's eligible for the Hall of Fame. And it's probably not even on the first sentence or the first paragraph that, you know, is written about Brady's career. Um, You know, as I've been reading uh, a couple of things about him in the last hour since the announcement came out. The flake gate hasn't been part of it. Well, and he was he was third, first, third in passing his last three years at Tampa. His third, first, third. So I mean, he was. It's not like it had really fallen off a cliff, but you could tell. You could see his mobility. He never was the most mobile. Starting to decline a little bit, but if, only if he has that addiction to competition that he still wants to to go get it. Because I th- I think he doesn't have anything else to prove out there. We he he's proven all he's had to prove. I, I can imagine, like get into get into someone's mind like that. I mean, he you know he wasn't going to go back to Tampa. That was a foregone conclusion. You weren't going to be part of, you know, I don't know if rebuild is the right word, but uh, you know maybe if Tampa gets to a position where they're healthier at certain positions, that it's not as much of a rebuild. But that's not the same team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and so if you end up going somewhere else. I mean, there's all the drama that surrounds around that, you know. I mean, you figure out the contract and where you're going to play. That's the, that's one thing. But, you know, just going to play for another team again, you know, going to play for a new coach again. You know, I mean, he's already played for it would be a third coach in three years. Um, whether or not there's, you know, and getting to know a fan base again and all the expectations that go along with being the person that everybody says is the GOAT and then it's expected, well, now that he's here, we're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, and and and, and they and did, which you don't you don't see much, Phil, in football. I mean, Peyton Manning went and did it, but it took him a little bit. But the, to to be able to go out that way, pretty special. Yeah. So, I, and and it's not like he needs the money. It's not like he's going to be away from football uh, necessarily. 
I mean, he's just got this great gig at Fox, just waiting to slide right in and and be the top commentator. I mean, I'm interested to see how that works out for him. Um, where sometimes you look at guys that you expect will be really great commentators. Uh, Joe Montana, uh, remember Jerome Bettis, you know, guys like that. They were really talkative and friendly and insightful when it came to interviews and were good on camera, you know, with commercials and everything like that. But they weren't really very good at analysis of the game in a way that you need to be on television. Uh It'll be interesting to see with Brady moving forward. And we'll get a chance to watch him do that next year. But this year, this year for him, I mean, in the last 365 days, uh, he suffered through a losing season, something that had happened how many times in his career? Never? I, d- I don't think so. I, I know the I don't year. Know they ever had a losing season in New England. Right. I, I know one year he tore his ACL in the first game of the year and they didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, he only played that, that first. That was against the Chiefs, actually, yeah. They won 10 games that season. Yeah. They missed the playoffs. Yes. Matt Castle was the quarterback. Matt Castle, yeah. So, I mean, there was that. There was the divorce from Giselle. And, I mean, that was. Seemed like he timed that perfectly, though. Seemed like he might have had a little, like a little. He kind of knew what he was doing right there. I think. Yeah, there, well, maybe there we can we can view into that a little bit as far as that's concerned because it certainly seemed that, um, you know, the uh, the reports of the split came not too far after uh, the uh, reports of him coming back to play again uh-huh. for the Bucks. So those things did kind of go together. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you look at it like he was trying to extricate himself from a very public relationship in a way that might not look like it's his fault. Yeah, that was because he left camp for grown folk business. If you remember right, he's like, you know, I'm, yep. and, and and so that was just four or five months ago. You know, that's six. That's and that's that's it. They were still married. Uh, so that's that's when all that they just happened. So I think he. Uh, Oh well, he's still he's still one of the best one of the best to ever do it. Uh, and and man. I don't. You can't say enough good things about the kid, about the guy. I mean, how how good he's been, and and the longevity of it. I, I don't know who you put it up there to some baseball players like a Tony Gwynn, uh, Pete Rowe. I mean, guys that play year in year out, not getting hurt. He had one year he got hurt. You look at you look at these quarterbacks now, Phil. It's like they're all getting hurt. They they, they get hurt. You got to go to your backup. You got to go to your third string. Whatever you got to do. Uh, and he was one of those guys that you could always count on. Oh, I mean, there are some people that really aren't Tom Brady fans. There's lots of them. I mean, I was not. I was not a fan. I, I rooted against him for years and years, and then really the last couple of years are just like, let's just appreciate this for what it is. This is the kind of career that I don't know if anybody expected to see something like this while we were alive, and probably not going to see anything like it again. Although you've got this incredible. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at Mahomes right now. Yeah, you know, third Super Bowl. Five consecutive AFC championship games. Still has a lot of youth. He's got more money. I mean, heck, he's the part owner of the baseball team that's in the city that he plays. Um, you know, but that Mahomes was on the radar as soon as he got into the league. Tom Brady was not. Like, he's the first one, you know, thinking about moving forward who could be. There's never, like, you remember more, Michael Jordan retired and then there were all these the next Jordan, baby Jordan, were, Harold were, Minor. You had there were, there Vince Carter, yeah, Grant Hall, Grant, Grant Hill. Hill, yeah, yeah. I said Grant Hall because he's coming up in the next segment with us in just a moment. But yeah, Grant Hill, uh, Kobe. I mean, even Kobe was like going to be the next, the next MJ, and 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 maybe he was. Too he's far. the only one that held up to the to the pressure. That's for sure. Kobe, the thing that the knock on Kobe was, we've already seen it before. Like he's doing everything Jordan did. 
and and you're like, well, we've just seen it was nothing new to us. But Kobe, oh my goodness, dude, that that dude. Uh, if it's two A and two B at your as your two guard, one A one B. I mean, Kobe's the second best. Yeah, but I mean, that's the, like you can't ever. I, I hope I don't hear anybody say like, well, this guy's the next Brady because there's just not going to be one. There isn't going to be one. Brady. There wasn't another Muhammad Ali. You know, there there wasn't another one of the greatest. And I'll put it this way, too. Brady didn't have the physical attributes that a Muhammad Ali or a Kobe Bryant or all these these studs that had it. He was more cerebral. He was more of like a computer uh, with his mind and brain knowing where to go because his arm strength was never A+. He never had a cannon. You know, he, he and that's why his last few years you could see he couldn't push the ball down the field. He was just sharp everywhere else. Else. But when you're just looking at, hey, man, these are your attributes, he didn't have a lot of A-pluses physically. His was A-pluses mentally. Yeah, I mean, all the stats that go into it, you know, all the Super Bowl wins, the passing records, the regular season records and wins and, and all of that. Um, I think more than anything, you just look at the idea that coast to coast, this is the number one story of the day. Um, and, and nothing is even close to it. And it's on a day where, I mean, yesterday, last night, you had a huge trade in the NFL with a, with a coach getting traded with Sean Payton, a Super Bowl winning coach being traded, you know, his rights being traded. I you know the last time I remember a coach being traded, it was Belichick. It was Belichick who was traded. Wasn't that how the uh, how the the Patriots got him? As they traded uh, they traded something to the Jets. The Jets or the traded. Browns? Yeah, it seems like a Parcells might have been. Um, that's I mean, always it's always weird to trade a coach for draft picks. It's definitely uh, it's it's you don't see it a lot, especially a team that traded away their first round draft check choice and then traded for another first round draft choice and then trades that choice again along with a couple of others <laughs> for uh, for a coach who when he took over the Saints um, they had not I don't I, they had not signed Breeze yet I think mean, he signed after that and he certainly helped Breeze become the quarterback that he turned into I mean he was good in San Diego but he was a heck of a lot better in New Orleans but Breeze also was you know coming off that shoulder injury and he'd been beaten up and a lot of folks thought that he was going to be done and and that would be it for him and he ends up turning into a Hall of Famer you know can can Sean Payton do the same thing for a Russell Wilson No Russell Probably Wilson needs not. to talk about hanging him up like that dude he's falling off a cliff I mean I don't know that he was he was never like he's a B quarterback anyways but Man, you talk about can't can't move, can't throw the ball well. Like he looked, I mean, he he had a bad year this year. We'll just be honest; he did not have a good year. Peyton stuck with him at least for the next two, three seasons, is what it looks like. And uh, we are stuck with you for the next uh, couple of hours, two hours and forty five minutes here on halftime and on this Wednesday, in which uh, the ice still resides on our streets, mostly across our listening area, and school continues to be out. Uh, we've got a usual Wednesday to try to keep things uh, going a little more normalcy, you know, a little more normalcy uh, to our lives. Uh, we'll have Bill King in hour number three to talk about late National Signing Day, which starts today. And Alyssa Orange in hour number two from Pig Trail Nation. A lot of basketball talk with Alyssa. Huge win for the men yesterday and a pretty entertaining game uh, defeating Texas A&M. And in just a moment, we are joined by Grant Hall. Not Grant Hill, Grant Hall. Do I think I call Grant Hill Grant Hall for a moment there? Grant Hall's equally impressive, though. (laughs) 
Yeah, they both have a good mustache game. Bald heads, you know, just killing it. Maybe at one point Grant Hall had a great looking jump shot instead of that great golf shot. That and the mustache kind of going on with it, too. Yeah. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts stop by Eastside liquor in fort smith at 9390 rogers avenue and check out their full selection of tommy bahama spirits get whisked away to island paradise with excellence you can taste Eastside liquor carries tommy bahama island gin rye whiskey bourbon whiskey rum and tommy bahama vodkas mango cucumber and neutral get by Eastside liquor today and try the multiple award-winning tommy bahama spirits Always good to talk with Grant Hall here on Halftime every Wednesday. Grant, I uh, inadvertently referred to Grant Hill as Grant Hall in the last segment. I don't think there are a lot of people that got the two of you mixed up over the course of your lives, but you can understand the names are somewhat similar. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well, and thankfully uh, a state trooper in South Carolina one time confused my name. He wrote down Grant Hill on the ticket. And so uh, I didn't say anything about it. And uh, somewhere in South Carolina, I hope that's not on Grant Hill's permanent record, you know, if he got another speeding ticket in uh, South Carolina. But the, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you, to hear that. Yeah. Uh, that it, shouldn't, it shouldn't happen on too much of a routine basis. Hey, what, what, Tom Brady retires. Thoughts on, is he the GOAT? Um, I mean, it's tough to go against him. You might look at some other quarterbacks that had greater, uh, you know, greater physical qualities to them. Um, but, I mean, you look at the career numbers, the Super Bowls and everything, and the story of his career, too. I'd have I'd be hard-pressed to find someone that I'd pick over him. Yeah, call me when someone wins seven Super Bowls. I, it, you know, it's, I was just reading this story in Sports Illustrated last night about the, um, the game between Seattle and New England. When, remember when Pete Carroll called a pass mm-hmm. and down the one-yard line mm-hmm. and Butler intercepted it and all that, but it at that point, uh, Brady had gone a number of years without, you know, he won three in his first four years. And then I think it was maybe, what, the 10th year or something, uh, or 10 years had gone by. And then, of course, he won, he won four more at the but beginning with that, really with that game. So, uh, you know, you wonder what all would, I think he was 37 years old then. And, uh, I mean, I got to see him play a little bit in that bowl game. But, you know, he wasn't even, he, he was splitting time. Uh, when he played against Arkansas in that bowl game, but uh, who knew what, that he would be what he became? Drew Henson, right? Was he the other quarterback yes, from Michigan? That's correct. Yeah. Well, and 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 to to your point, you know, Wes Welker never won a Super Bowl, so that's a good point by you, Grant, because because he had all those all those years, and then and then Gronk only won one with New England, and everybody's like, oh, thinking that he won multiple ones because he did have a little lull there. Uh, but you know, just just a body of work. He he is. He's not my. He wouldn't be the number one quarterback I would take. Uh, but you can you couldn't go wrong with take, with picking him number one. Do you have a Tom Brady <laughs> moment? Do you have one that just sticks out? 
I think just just when I think about Tom Brady, I think about those perfect tight spirals. You know, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks don't do that. A lot mm-hmm. of great quarterbacks don't. Peyton do didn't that. have a good one. Peyton didn't have a throw a pretty ball. Yeah, and I just think yeah, it, it was just that and his fierce competitiveness. I would say. And the guy got angry. He probably got as angry late in his career as, as he ever did. But, you know, the interesting thing, he was on 60 Minutes one time did an interview, and he talked about how uh, this was early in his career and, and how did he really want to keep playing football and, and there's, got to, there's got to be more stuff than this. And then, of course, he ends up pushing the envelope and playing all those years. So uh, kind of interesting. You, you heard the analogy, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog, and that's that's Tom Brady right there. I think as somebody who was so good against pressure, you know, I mean, he was so cool under pressure. He And, look, I mean, growing up as a Steelers fan, he just he owned Pittsburgh. And that was a defense that was built to blitz, and they blitzed him. And, and they paid the price for that. He was the blitz. Yeah, and just uh, total preparation. It was interesting in this story. I was talking about the the center who I think was a rookie at the time in that game against Seattle changed the protection that Brady had called because it didn't account for one of the. It looked like uh, they were going to rush seven guys, and Brady called a protection that would have left one guy loose, and the center dared to kind of uh, overrule Tom Brady on that call. So you you know you don't think of Tom ever making a mistake on anything like that. Grant, Arkansas looked good last night against Texas A&M. Few too many turnovers, few too many offensive rebounds allowed to the Aggies, but they got good shots. And, man, I mean, it's the best they've looked offensively in a long time, and they needed that win, and it's great to see them lead almost the entire game. Uh, I I wouldn't put any of yesterday on, on the Aggies' travel necessarily. I think Arkansas did play that well where they needed to play that well, specifically getting good looks, knocking down shots. Yeah, the only thing you might put on the travel is that A&M shot 26 out of 76, and they, and they, and they missed 10 free throws also. And it wasn't – I believe Jimmy Dykes is correct when he said a lot of coaches probably would have said, look, we just can't get there, you know. So I give them credit for making the effort. Uh, but if it if it had anything to do with it, Arkansas was due a break like that, I would say. And really, these last two games have been weird in the sense that in both of them, Arkansas shot about 50-51% to the other team's 34%, but they lost one and, and sort of barely. I mean, Arkansas was only up four with four minutes to go last night, and it took – uh, and gave up, what was it, 24, I think, offensive rebounds and and had 17 turnovers to A&M's eight. So those are figures that you say, well, you, you're not going to win those games. But then if you look at the the disparity in the shooting percentages, you say you're going to win nearly all of those. So it was kind of odd that way. But uh, it was, as Devo held up, the, you know, there's three wins in a row in the conference uh, with a great chance to add one Saturday, although uh, South Carolina did beat Kentucky at Kentucky. And that's the that's the South Carolina team you have to expect Arkansas will see on Saturday. I thought it was pretty cool. The Mitchell twins get to start on their birthday, uh, and then between them have a triple-double. 18 boards, uh, 15 points, 10 block shots. Man, That's if you're talking about getting it on the aggregate, man, I, I was really impressed with what they did last night. Yeah, and Mikkel, Mikkel, Mikkel's doing it on like one, not one leg, but he's not 100%, and he's out there balling. 
Yeah, and he, and he almost did it. He challenged it by himself. I mean, if he'd have made that last free throw, that's a double-double. And then, you know, just three blocks away from from 10. I think he had eight, eight in a game last year or, you know, for Rhode Island. But that's another, you know, there's another example, guys, of uh, when, Arkansas, when Arkansas had the two injuries, then they had to find other guys, you know, that Graham has come along some, and, and especially, uh, at least last night, Mikel Mitchell. So uh, when and if Nick Smith comes back, uh, they could still be pretty good by tournament time. When and if Nick Smith comes back. And that was even part of the conversation on the broadcast yesterday and on social media yesterday. And, I mean, I've been upfront about it. You know, I, I'll, I'll believe he's going to play when he's on the court wearing a uniform playing for Arkansas. That's not to say I don't think he's going to play. I just, I just don't know what to make of it at times. And everybody's supposed to have an opinion about it. You know, it's, well, when he, he's when there. He he's there with them yeah. right now. So, I mean, maybe if he wasn't going to play for Arkansas, he wouldn't even be back with the team at all. That's what he said yesterday on Twitter. Yeah, like why would he, why would he enroll in school? I know Priscilla cast doubt on it, but uh, Jimmy Dykes has been consistent in thinking he's going to come back sometime in what are the next week or ten days or something. So, uh, I, you know, it, it appeared that it would be really timely because of Anthony Black and he had this, this hand injury and he's got this knee thing going on, but uh, it's not phasing him. Anthony Black, I mean, it's a good thing the guy played football because he's had some collisions this year, uh, including last night. And uh, if nothing, he, he's shown that he's a tough kid, I would say. He's like he should be wearing a face mask for basketball. You know, <laughs> yeah. he was a wide receiver uh, when it came to football and was recruited to play there in college. I mean, he's he's one of the only players I thought for basketball that consistently needs a face mask because people always have their elbows. He's not afraid of a little face. contact. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, you know, he'll he'll block a shot for you or get a rebound in, in traffic. And uh, uh, but I, I, you know, I've kind of wondered about the. Uh, what the team's going to look like if Nick Smith comes back, he's a guy that uh, sort of needs the basketball and they've gotten accustomed to playing the way they're playing. And they've got, you know, uh, no one thought that Devo was really a true point guard or Ricky council, or, you know, obviously Anthony black is, but when he comes back, they're going to have to adjust to his presence and play a little bit, a little bit different way. And, uh, that's not to say, I mean, everybody, I think everybody wants him to come back and help, but I think there'll be an adjustment period there. I, I really, I, I, I just saw this and you might already uh, have been ahead of me here, Grant, but Devo reminds me so much of Clint McDaniel and what he used to do on those, those, those that 1992, 93 team. Um, I mean, he can bring the ball up the floor if you need him to. He can hit a three if you need him to. But he's going to lock down the other team's best player. But he can do a little bit. Every, you just you don't want him to have to do it the whole game. And and I love some Click McDaniel. He was kind of that glue guy, one one of those guys that you knew if he was guarding you, it, it was going to be a long night. It's interesting, Matt. He was there last night uh, along with I think Davo Remock was there. Oh, nice. Martin. Yeah, yeah, and I know, and also Sam Pittman, of course, and Dan Enos were there uh, in the crowd. But yeah, you know, Devo. I know that fans get exasperated on some of the passes and things, uh, but they they had this quote last night. They showed from Nolan Richardson. You probably saw it that a lot of guys play hard on one end of the court, but not that many guys play as hard on both ends of the floor as Devo does. And he, he really, you know, Nolan is really high on, uh, on Devo. I'm sure he would have loved to coach him too. 
Oh man, Debo could play for any any college basketball team in the country. You'd be lucky to have that kid. It's 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 weird. I, I don't know if his game's going to translate to that next level like a Pat Beverly did when he kind of made his deal on on defense. But Debo can go overseas and make a lot of money if he wants to. Yeah, that that will be interesting, Matt, to to see. And you know, and he he is the guy on this team that has two elite eights that he's been to, and he's he's really become the leader. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked last week about calling his own timeout and stuff. And he, last night after the game, I couldn't tell uh, after that last dunk. You, you know, he, he he went to the shake hands line, and um, Buzz was right there, and somehow they kind of missed each other. And I don't know, I'm not sure what happened there, you know. Did you ever, Matt, did you ever go through a shake hands line and kind of just uh, gloss past guys you didn't like, or how was that? Oh, I, I don't think that was intentional. Uh, I, I think usually when the game's over, you, you put everything behind you because we understand that it's a game and competition. You try not to let it get personal. And you know what? Don't let If you don't want me to dunk it at the end of the game, then don't let me have the ball. I have no problems with, with scoring a touchdown late or, or dunking. That's why they keep score, man. Yeah, and it was such a spur of the moment. There was what, just two or three seconds left when it happened. How cool of a dunk was that? That's kind of maybe Clint McDaniel used to do that. You know, you know, it's funny. The one that Council uh, had last night, as as crowd pleasing a play as that was, A and M went immediately on a five zero run. Yeah, they got Arkansas a three point play on the next end. Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, notice when it comes fouling. to the. To the- Top play on Sports Center. They show the play. They didn't show the the, the next two minutes after the play. No, that's, that's right. <laughs> Man, his yeah. spring. Oh my goodness. We we've said we hadn't seen it in a, in a, a few games, but we'd saw it in some non conference games. When he wants to take off, he's taken off. You can just get out of the way when that back is loosened up. Oh my I mean, goodness. That's the thing with Kevin it's so quick it too. Like- it's like he, as soon as he jumps, he just spring. I mean, it's it's fun. Well, Grant, whatever he's done to loosen that back the last couple of games, I hope it continues. But I have to ask you about Henry Moore, who passed away Sunday at age 88 and was uh, one of the great Razorbacks uh, of the 50s and part of the 25 Little Pigs. And I know this is a player that you got a chance to watch when you were a, a little pop. Yeah, my first year to watch Arkansas football was 1955. I was seven years old. And I'm not going to tell you, I remember a lot about it, but Arkansas always started the season with Tulsa. The first home game in Fayetteville would be in Tulsa, against Tulsa, and that was the game. And, and Arkansas won, and they, they had the old-time scoreboard, you know, where the, the clock just kind of crept along, and you, could, you couldn't quite figure out exactly how much Nice. Time. <laughs> like the scoreboard uh, in school ties. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, and my sister and I spent half the game, I think, playing on the steps or something. But, but I, I do remember hearing his name a lot, and, of course, he was a – a great pile driving back and uh, had played. He played in 53, four and five. So he played uh, two years under Bowden white and one under Jack Mitchell. And then, but his other coaches, it's amazing. He, he played for Wilson Matthews and then he played for Vince Lombardi and the 1956 giants championship team. I mean, excuse me. Well, Lombardi was an assistant coach. Then Jim Lee Howell, who had Arkansas ties, was the head coach. And then Henry Moore went and played for Baltimore, and they went, I think, that next year in 58 was when they won, uh, you know, the some called the greatest game ever played, John Unitas handing off to Alan Amici and all that stuff. I, I remember when I was a kid watching on TV. But uh, so he had two good years. Uh, I think probably he and his brother Billy were, just as known for things off the field as on the field. And, uh, you know, uh, 
but, but that Billy made the, he made AP All America quarterback in 1960, I think it was. Had a 90 yard run against Tulsa. Uh, so two great Razorbacks, and uh, I know a lot. Well, maybe not a lot, but people my age certainly remember Henry Moore. Grant, appreciate you hopping on with us. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the week and stay warm. All right. See you. Thanks, Grant. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Head to the arena. The one thing my wife said is make sure you start the Mitchell twins because it's their birthday. I mean, both of them were good. You know, like that's a lot of block shots. But, you know, we're doing some unique things with Mikel defensively on where we place him the last two games. And we've been trapping a lot more at half court than we have all season. Must yesterday after the win over AM discussing the Mitchell twins. Maybe it felt like a surprise to have him start, both of them. We've seen Makai out there. I think Mikel had started maybe one or two games before yesterday. Um, but I tell you, watching that game on television, and it must have looked a lot more so um, in, in attendance, in person, um, Arkansas just looked a lot bigger than A&M did. Look, when look you look fresher, at that line, yeah. you, you got the Mitchell Twins, 6'10", or 6'11", Anthony Black, 6'7", point guard, Ricky Council, at six five six six, Devo about the same. It's your five starters out there, man. For your for your smallest player to be six foot five, uh, and to have a six and and, and Devo might be your toughest. You know, be, being your smallest player, being your toughest. Um, and, and I feel it. You could you you do that. What's funny? His wife said something to to Musselman, but you do that when kids do things the right way. Like like those. The, that means Mitchell. They're doing things the right way, and you reward you reward your players, man. That's that's big time. That they'll remember that day for the rest of their lives, and the team you know comes together. That's that's just that's super cool that he that that, that did that, and then super cool that they did what they were supposed to do. They showed up and rang the bell. You know, they got an opportunity to go out there and, and do something, and between them had a triple-double. How cool. So it's interesting with Mikel because last year, one of the guys that was an afterthought before maybe about midway through January, week into January, something like that, was Trey Wade. And, and, and I'm not saying they're the same player, but they do have some of the same qualities. I don't think you'll see Mikel you know, jump out and have a bigger offensive game than he had last night. Wade every once in a while. Heck, I mean, he had a couple of games like, where did this come from? He had a 20 points or something like that. But he deed up, he rebounded, and had a, you know, um, a, a displayed a toughness that went along with the experience that he played in throughout his career. And I think McCall might... It could be a little bit of the same thing. I remember reading about the Mitchell twins before the season started. And you don't, I mean, you, you've watched enough of these games. You see it. Makai is much more of a scorer. Somebody that can, he's not a 20-point game guy. He's, but he's he has soft that, finish around, yeah, around the rim. Yeah. He has some touch to him. And Mikel is more of like the enforcer style. Your Ben player. Wallace style, yep. 
Yeah, and they complement each other a little bit as far as having a couple of forwards that play different styles. But, I mean, Mikel was an afterthought. He really was an afterthought until you got a couple of weeks into the month and, and Musk started putting him out there a little bit in the loss against Alabama, which didn't work out well, not because Mitchell was a starter. It's just they didn't play very well, and Alabama was playing really very well at that point. And then 18 minutes against Vanderbilt. Again, not a game that Arkansas played very well, but Mitchell led them with eight rebounds in that ball game. And then he dealt with the knee injury the last couple of weeks, and he's still getting out there for 21, 23, 32 minutes. And you can see it's taking him a little bit of time to get moving down the court mm-hmm. after battling for a rebound or having to pick himself up. He's laboring. He's laboring, but he's playing hard. And if you get any kind of inkling of that sort of performance again from Mitchell, I mean, he could end up being a real difference maker for this team. I think in much of the same way that Trey Wade was last year, a glue guy, kind of a player. Both both those kids, we're going to need them to do well if we want to have any success, especially in, this, in the rest of the regular season or the SEC tournament. Another guy, Phil, that, that I was uh, happy to see out there at the end of the game, and, and if, if he, he stayed out of foul trouble, very efficient. Jordan Walsh, 27 minutes, 12.7 boards. Uh, that four spot, he's going to be just as athletic as any four out there on the floor. I mean, he, he really is. He, and so we need him out there at the end of the games. And he can shoot free throws. That's the other thing we talked a little bit about, uh, the kind of the knock on Graham, which you just got to keep giving Graham confidence, I think. I mean, the dude's offensively skilled. You just keep patting him on the butt and, and tell him to go out there and go to work, big fella. But Jordan Walsh is so natural. He's just so much better, just, just a natural talent. He's going to have to play smart and be out there if we're going to make this run, winning seven to eight, doing something in the SEC tournament for sure. Now, I wonder, I mean, you look at yesterday's lineup, seven players got out there. That's about the sweet spot for a team that's playing well under Eric Musselman. Like it, it, could be, it could be Pinion or it could be Graham. You, you know, it could, it, like probably maybe both of them aren't going to play at the same time and then nobody fouled out. So we know we, a lot of those subs, too, he, I think he does because we get in foul trouble and he has to. And a lot of that will have to do with, you know, the matchups as far as who you're playing. Right. But I also wonder about about like Walsh coming off the bench. If maybe that's a really good place for him, you know, take a little bit of that pressure off, settle him down a little bit early. Yeah, he's going to get as long as he's not fouling. He's going to get his twenty five to twenty eight minutes a game, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. But I do like the idea of him being well, that kind of an energy guy off the bench. Phil, that's a great point. You have your guys that start and you have your guys that finish the game and they're not all always the same five. Like it's it's weird how that works out. Uh, but you you do, you do you have your guys that, that you want out there to start the game, and you have your guys you want out there to finish the game. And Jordan Walsh is one you want out there to finish the game because he can shoot and he's athletic, he's unselfish, he's smart. All those good good qualities is is that's what helps you win in the last few minutes of a game. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. And those who are uh, out on the interstates right now, if you had an accident about a mile and a half 
south of Highway 64 in Clarksville. It's on Highway 109. Another one uh, that is uh, right there by Knoxville on Interstate 40, traveling eastbound. Uh, it's really the only portion right now of uh, Interstate 40 that's dealing with any slipperiness with slush on the highway. Uh, Interstate 49 from Alma up to Fayetteville is clear. Once you get into Fayetteville, you're dealing with some slush. And there's still ice patches on the road around Fort Smith. So we are not quite out of the woods yet. Although it looks like the weather should get, well, I mean, this is saying it in certain terms, better. <laughs> better. Meaning we're not going to have little bits of ice falling from the sky in Fayetteville tonight. I know uh, central Arkansas is going to be dealing with that a little bit more. So... Uh, portions of the state be dealing with what we've had for these past couple of days. Everybody be safe out there. And, and, and yeah, Phil, thanks for correcting me. Gronk has won four Super Bowls. I know I'd said he'd won two, but uh, I, was, I was cutting him short, too. Steve Andrews had, uh, had tweeted in, Gronk won three rings with the Pats, one with the Bucks. You were right, though, about Wes Welker. He, was, he did yeah. win a Super Bowl. Yeah, with, uh, I, I knew he had a lull there. with New England. Yeah. Remember the wonder in the like, oh, what's wrong with New England? They haven't won a Super Bowl in like five years. That know. Randy Moss team that went undefeated regular season. I mean, one of the best teams to ever. They're they're like you used to have the Golden State Warriors that that both broke the 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 Chicago Bulls win season record and lost the NBA Finals. Best team ever. That that Patriot team with Randy Moss uh, was the best team I've ever seen. Not win a NFL championship. Is that the only Hall of Fame receiver? With Brady through to you know Dion Branch uh, was a stud there for a little bit. Then he took more money and went to Seattle. Uh, not in Canton, though. He's not in Canton, no. But I'm trying to think of just good receivers. Uh, Mike Evans is uh, he's he's probably the best receiver he had in Tampa. Just just if you're saying natural talented receiver, the kid from A and M that Johnny Menzel threw to. Uh, but he had two of the best tight ends to ever ever play the game in Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. One kind of um, at least common vein in their careers, and they're totally different quarterbacks. And Marino never won a Super Bowl, but Marino, I remember, I don't think he ever threw to a Hall of Fame receiver unless Dupers made it in in the last few years. And Brady, maybe only one that I can think of. All right, into the second hour of halftime. Stay with us. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, high noon tailgate packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast. Welcome into hour number two of halftime here on a, uh, it's a wet Wednesday. Yeah, it is, because this stuff's going to melt eventually. 877-377-6963 for a call or a text. We'll have Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation coming up in the uh, next segment. Just saw this story about a 60-year-old man in Alberg, Vermont, who participated in a brawl in the stands of a middle school basketball game. This gentleman died from uh, injuries suffered during the fight. My gosh, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Fights in the stands of elementary school, middle part, sorry, middle school basketball games. And uh, a 60-year-old man, who, you know, he was not just uh, watching the fight. Apparently, he took part in it uh, in a town of 2,100. So a town where everybody knows each other. And the rivalries, I guess, kind of turn into real hatred with uh, towns that are not that far away. Wow. 
What is going on when we've got fights in the stands of this isn't even this isn't even a high school game. This is these 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 are middle schoolers. This is seventh, eighth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I mean, they're they're anywhere from age ten to thirteen. And this is what we're this is what we're showing these kids how to operate inside a inside a, the realm of competition. Just amazing. Learn a lesson from this, and you know, feel sorry and terrible for the gentleman who lost his life in this fight. But uh, hopefully, a lesson to be learned from this. Let's not be fighting in the stands. I mean, we and we, one of the weird things about this too is like you'll. I remember after the shutdown ended and we got back to whatever normalcy was going to look like. And normalcy turned into a heck of a lot of fights in the stands at NBA games, NFL games, college football games, NHL games, where the fights in the stands are even uh, you know, worse and, and harder fought than the fights on the ice. Let's, uh, let's try to end this kind of thing, man. It's not just standing there holding hands, singing kumbaya, but what are we doing? With, we're fighting in the stands of games that are involving 10-year-olds. You know, I've been a part of a couple games where you see some people kind of get into it. Uh, most fights I've seen are in practice against teammates, but Warren Sapp, he was at Oakland playing in Jacksonville, and he got he got thrown out of the game, a couple personal foot flags, and uh, some of the fans said something to him. And my thought is, dude... Warren Sapp will crush you. Like you're a you're a regular fan sitting up there. Like why? What? What? You know? And and Sapp's not the part. You know. But nothing nothing happened. But I've never I've never been a part of it where I've actually seen it. you. Kind of kind of hear him talking and stuff. But it's it's more bark than bite. Well, I mean, it's one thing and really stupid to do it to you know challenge one of the combatants on a field to you know run up into the stands and and come at me or something like that. I mean, we all remember. The malice in the palace. The malice in the palace. And, uh, and, and what that was like, you know, I've seen minor league baseball games where there were fans that shouted racial epithets at players and they got chased down for it by the player. You know, that's really stupid to do. But when the people that are actually there to watch the game, you don't see that like very often in, in like a minor league game because nobody, you know, feels that strongly about the players you know they do they do in the majors and obviously they do in 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 certain middle schools um and certainly in this situation it's just uh i don't get it i don't get it uh, I, and maybe part of it is that i'm a little pacifist at times but uh, there is yeah, the ability that, to just walk away from something like that and and that teaches the lesson in and of itself. Phil, that's me too. It's not that important to me. It's like I don't know why you're why you're so mad wanting to fight. It's like I'm gonna just go go keep living my life. I'm gonna go over here and eat my soup, and it's not gonna change my life one bit. But I'm sorry, you're angry at the world. You keep being mad and angry and want to fight somebody. But it ain't me. It ain't me, babe. Soup is a happy thing. Soup mm. will make everybody feel better about things. I, I I don't know that I've been into a fight since it's been years. It's like I have no desire to get into a fight. Like that's just I don't. Uh, just no, no, no desire. I haven't been involved. Well, part of it, I don't know, Matt. I mean, you're like you're 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 big. You're well, you're a big guy. Maybe some people uh, wouldn't uh, feel like challenging. I haven't you. been challenged for a fight in a while, but I guess that should be the thing. But I don't go looking for it though. Right. Like you know, I don't initiate. I'm just like, man, y'all stay over there. I'm gonna go over here. A little different than me, you know. I've got. I think uh, I probably give like eight inches to you as far as height, um, <clears throat> and. Look, I mean, I'm pacifist about this. I just, I'm not, I'm never going to be put in the situation. I'm not going to put myself in that situation where, uh, where I end up fighting somebody because. 
Uh, I really smart asses just kind of handle it that way. Yeah, and I don't need to go to the dentist office or go get my hand looked at and all these things, man. I just, I rather just keep living my life. Jeremiah puts it in in good terms here. Nobody is worth my freedom. You're right. You're right about that. Because you know, if you get involved in a in a in a fist fight at a middle school game, you're going to be thrown in the slammer for a little bit. But but how like uneducated does that make you look too? It's like, bro, these, these are like eleven year old kids out here playing playing sports, and then you're the adult and, and you can't keep it keep it together. Okay, all right, man. We ended up seeing like the kids on the floor. This is a basketball game. The kids on the court there, and they're like they must be looking up into the stands, like what what, is, what the heck is going on? Here? I'll drive home. Just get, go wait in the car. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. The kids are the adults in this in this case. So I feel terrible that this that this man lost his life, but I hope uh, I hope this is the kind of thing we can really kind of um, avoid in youth sports and all sorts of sports. Anyway, eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Started a little bit early, uh, so we'll take the break, and we have, and there it goes. All right, so Alyssa Orange coming up in a moment here. Um, happy National Signing Day. Oh, it I saw some weird. of that, right? feels weird, man. It feels weird. And you were just used to this by now because National Signing Day in February is just late signing day. Arkansas bringing in six signees today. And they're all players that we've, that we've, we've talked about in the last few weeks. Five transfers, uh, the two defensive backs from Baylor, Snacks Johnson, Al Walcott. Snacks Johnson. You got to appreciate yeah. like that with two X's on the end of oh, it. Oh, man, I can't wait for him to get a pick six. Mm-hmm. 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 That's exactly. exactly right. That's why he's called Snacks, because he eats up he eats up opposing quarterback's passes. Crab cakes and sack lunches. Yep. Isaac Tesla, the uh, the, the, the tall receiver from Division II Hillsdale. He, I mean, his highlights, Phil, every time you look at him, you're excited that he's a Razorback. I mean, One-handed catches. Oh, man. They, they said don't catch catch with two hands so you make your first Pro Bowl, though, so chill out. But but let's use two in the SEC. I kind of wonder if that's how he's going to get open. You know I mean? Getting open in Division Two is a heck of a lot different than he's, getting open in the SEC. I'm telling you, and I've just watched a little film, he's going to be slid down a little bit, matched up with linebackers and deep nickelbacks, not necessarily the cornerbacks where it's going to struggle. I think he's going to be, I, man, what I've seen on film, I can see why Danny's, D- Danny knows KJ Jefferson, man, I'd be calling him. I'd be, I'd be trying to find out what class he's going to. We'd be hanging out uh, if I'm the quarterback with Tesla, putting him there because I think he's going to make a lot of plays for us. Well, then you get that with the other really tall receiver from Bowling Green, the tallest receiver in all of college football. Uh, Tyrone Broden, six foot seven, which reminds me that if Anthony Black would have chosen the football route, mm-hmm. he would be the tallest receiver in college football at six foot seven. I think he made the right choice, though. But yeah, yeah Anthony Black would be the same man. He would be a stud. He's very natural. He's physical. Uh, we, we get him over here. I don't think Musselman would let him come over here and go through two days, but. Uh... Uh, he made the right choice, kind of like Connor Nolan made the right choice with baseball. Not just because he can do it, but but yeah. I mean, really, I'd be interested to see Anthony Black play football. I don't watch any of his highlights or anything like that, but add a little, add some more muscle. I mean, he's got the frame. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he weighs right now, but at six foot seven with that frame, he could bulk himself when his legs. into an Antonio Gates type That's football player. Little H back right there. You're exactly right. If this basketball didn't work out, which I think it will. 
but that would be his fallback. He could go. He'd just go into the combine and be a tight end. And you look at that uh, the Kittle guy from San Francisco. Tell me, Anthony Black couldn't do that right there. He, I mean, so he he could definitely be an all world tight end if he wanted to. And then there's Al Walcott, uh, defensive back out of Baylor. I think Walcott's the safety. Johnson is the cornerback. So, and you. Um, Apparently they received the fax or the piece of paper with the signing, the sign name on it from Shamar Easter, uh, you know, the tight end out of Ashdown who uh, he's, he's postponed his signing ceremony till tomorrow. People are nervous about that is just because of weather and only because of weather. So you've got your signees and I think that leaves nine scholarships to play with for the next round. Right after spring transfers. ball, you get another, another little window that, yeah. Well, nine's a lot, too, really. I mean, I don't think you want to be stuck with nine scholarships to hand out to your preferred walk-ons or anything like that. So I think, this, I think you're going to end up with a really active situation for this Arkansas roster after spring ball. And, and you want to get the right guys in here, Phil. I think Coach Pittman's doing that. Just because you got nine doesn't necessarily mean you use them. And maybe you do have a preferred walk-on, a guy that's been here two or three years that's doing everything the right way, and you and you give him one of those scholarships. I mean, I say give, he's obviously earned it. Uh, but but I, I, I like don't just give out scholarships if they're not going to be the right guy, the right type of player you're looking for. Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dining and carryout. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! One of our favorite times of the week here to talk with Alyssa Orange, anchor at Pig Trail Nation and a friend of us here on Halftime. Alyssa, uh, how you, first of all, happy National Women in, uh, and Girls in Sports Day today. Uh, that's certainly something Thank to you. celebrate when we have you on here. Uh, one of the, one right now, the winner, one of the winners of uh, Arkansas Sportscaster of the Year. Seeing more women uh, win those awards in the last few years, so... <clears throat> is it uh let me let me just ask a question up front about this is it difficult sure. um or challenging uh to be a woman uh in the world of sports media uh, it, it used to be a little more uh, not so much now i think there definitely are still challenges that women face just from a credibility standpoint but i think that people who are worth their salt understand that women are just as credible and can be just as credible as men in this industry. If they, people who don't, I just don't have time for that. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of women before us who kind of paved the way to prove that we just, we deserve here, just deserve to be here just as much as anybody else. Well, Alyssa, I always, we always enjoy having you on the show. Before we get into Arkansas, I, I do want to ask you uh, maybe a Tom Brady story. What's your favorite Tom Brady moment as, uh, <laughs> you know, the legend Tom Brady uh, hangs him up? Keeping my Dolphins fan here. I, I, I have a Dolphins Maybe, maybe, hey, maybe, that, maybe did Miami beat Tom Brady? <laughs> maybe there's a tie. I didn't have, it doesn't have to be a win. <laughs> sure, sure, exactly. No, there are, um, there were many a times the Dolphins, uh, Alyssa, I'm, I'm 0-3 versus Tom Brady anyway, so don't, don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> So, but, you know, the, I remember when Tom Brady got hurt that one year and, and the Dolphins had uh, mm-hmm. Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown in the backfield and the, the, the Wildcats mm-hmm. kind of came about and they beat 
New England for the first time in a long time. That was a lot of fun. But I will say, I had the pleasure of covering two Super Bowls for the company, and uh, they were both in Houston and then Minneapolis. And, of course, that one in Houston was the comeback against the, the uh, Falcons. Falcons yeah. And then they lost uh, to the uh, the Eagles that following year. But the two that I got to cover involved Tom Brady and the Patriots, and so that's kind of cool. Very nice. Yeah, uh, my favorite Tom Brady uh, moment is when he retired, and I believed it. Um, although uh, maybe when, when he, he left, left the, Pats. the Patriots, yeah, when he left the Pats, <laughs> yeah. as a, as a fan of a team in the AFC, it was when he left the Pats, and I knew my team wouldn't yeah. have to be fighting him. Then again, you know, I don't know how close Pittsburgh is to making it to an AFC Championship game. Anyway, you just know you're not. I mean, there is this is an unrivaled career. There, I mean, whether you like him or don't like him, yeah. everybody yeah. can at least admit. And I feel it's like, like the same way about Derek Jeter. You know, you didn't have to like him. You didn't have to be a fan of the Yankees. You just had to admit it's just kind of an unrivaled career, the kind of career that you don't see and you probably don't see again. Yeah, I I really do think that at the end of the day, I appreciate him for leaving the Patriots and going to play for the Bucs only so that I could really, truly appreciate what he was able to accomplish in the career that he had without that Patriots taste in my mouth a little bit at the, at the last two years uh, of, of the career. So um, it, it's been fun to watch. And I think I started to kind of like him uh, and, and who he was and, and enjoyed just not being jaded by, by, Oh, he's a Patriot. I just watch him beat my team all the time. Um, he will definitely be uh, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Until we won't. someone can surpass him, that's going to be tough. I don't think that's going to happen. So, we we won't see anything like it. I don't think in our lifetime. Uh, there, there'll be some more talented yeah. guys that come out and and have better attributes than than Brady. But just the the winning nature and and what he was able. I think ten Super Bowls, something crazy like that. I mean, I just don't know that we'll see that again. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's pretty cool to uh, be able to say that we did see it. You know. All right. So you were inside the bud last night. Uh, for Arkansas yeah. over A&M. Uh, I was watching on television. Uh, it sounded like a good crowd. What what was the atmosphere like? How many people do you think were in there yesterday? And, and then we can get to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to see the numbers, around 9,000. Uh, but how about the students? They said around 3,400 students, the largest students uh, to come to a game under Eric Musselman. And obviously, just like last week against LSU, they kind of let them sit wherever. So that was kind of cool because the students always stand up and they cheer. And then instead of a couple of sections just standing, there were pockets of people standing all over uh, and, and cheering with students spread out the arena. And that was really cool. But it was loud. And it got kind of loud in there at certain points of the game, especially at that Ricky Council dunk, which I was oh down shooting goodness. at that time. And holy moly, holy, that was awesome. And uh, it got really loud. After that, well, I was going to say spring hasn't sprung yet, but he he definitely springy man. He's he's got it going yeah. on. I love the fact that it couldn't happen to two better guys, the Mitchell twins, getting a start together on their birthday. And I think that's just a testament not only to how good they are, but how they handle themselves and how they go about it, being doing things the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Those two have just worked really, really hard, and, and obviously Makai has been in that starting lineup really since the beginning. But you really got to tip your cap to. Mikel, who has worked to get in that lineup as well. Uh, and, and last night almost had a double-double, 13 rebounds, and, and I think, what, seven blocks Played big, night. yeah. It was, yeah. 
And 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 Eric Musselman joked like, you know, Danielle said you got to put the Mitchell twins in the starting lineup. It's their birthday. Uh, and so he did, but we all know that Musselman's not going to do it if he doesn't think it's going to be successful. And mm-hmm. I think that he is seeing now playing big and starting that bigger lineup because Mikel Mitchell has come along and him and his brother can play together successfully. We might see this being that winning formula moving forward. Well, Alyssa, you know how many turnovers that they had combined. We talk about how good they both had zero turnovers. So I love it as well. Yeah. And then you keep Jordan Walsh. Phil brought this up. Uh, when you got, you might have a, a, a lineup that starts the game, but the lineup that ends the game, you want Jordan Walsh out there at the four. And so anything to do to be able to keep him out of foul trouble, you need him out there. Those, I mean, in my opinion, you need him out there those last four minutes uh, because he's the best. I mean, as far as matching up against four, Jordan Walsh is just as athletic as anybody at that poor position in the SEC. Yeah, he is. And and he's learning, and he's just a freshman. I mean, the, the ceiling is unlimited for this kid who's still just learning what it's like to play at the collegiate level in the SEC. And he's going to get smarter with his uh, defense, and he's not going to foul as much. And we've seen him take a big, giant step forward in that direction already. So if you could have, you know, the Mitchells, Jordan Walsh, Anthony Black on the court, and keep them on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, this Arkansas team is turning things around. Three in a row right now, probably going to make it four conference games uh, on the road against South Carolina, knock on wood. So uh, th- this could be the turning point that we've kind of been waiting to see. Well, as long as he keeps listening to uh, Danielle as far as who, who he should put in the starting lineup, either <laughs> either Miss Danielle or, exactly. or his dog because that's who he basically chalks up the decisions yeah. to. They'll tell him those things. The women's team, though, took, oh, gosh, that game on mm-hmm. Sunday was uh, was like a kick in the teeth to a team that played just an yeah. incredible first half, leaned on the starters so heavily. Mike said after the game that he'd ask them, how many minutes can you give me because we got a week until the next game. And uh, just, you know, you could lay it on, on, on running out of gas, but they still had the lead with seven seconds left. And Ole Miss scores yeah. with four-tenths of a second forcing overtime. It's just, that was a tough one, you know. And, and, and it's four yeah. losses in a row after four wins in a row. I mean, right now they're still they're still. If you look at bracketology, they're on a nine seed. But Mike said, and I found this interesting after after Sunday's game, with what's coming up in the future, and with these four losses in a row, you know, the season goes one way or another. Starting now, you know, yeah. February is when you yep. really make your make your your resume, you know, for the tournament. So it'll go one way or the other, and you know, got to start got to got to start winning yeah. games, and they got to go on the road for the next one. Yeah, you know, Phil, we were talking last week, you know, this is an Arkansas team that's competing for that number three spot. Got to beat Tennessee in the league. And so we were looking ahead. Like, it was that Alabama and that Ole Miss game you had to win. Like, those had to win. They were at home. It's a coming off a break playing LSU and South Carolina. And those both of those games kind of ending in heartbreaking fashion and make you just be like, what is happening? Um, and so it's going to be tough, and, and we're going to really see what this women's team is made of. They've got talent. They've got young talent, though. We've talked about that. But how are they going to rise to the occasion and make a run in February? It's not going to be easy. Um, but unfortunately, losing that Alabama game and that Ole Miss game, it's going to make that road a lot tougher than had you won those two games. Um, and so we're going to see exactly how this women's team responds. Hopefully, you know, you go through that four-game losing streak and you start another winning streak. Uh, but, but you know, you, you got to sit here and hold your breath a little bit with this women's team the way that they've been playing the last two games. 
Well, they've had trouble closing games out, and that that happened in yeah. December, and that's happened a few times in the month of of January. And I think maybe one of the reasons is, um, you know, you got a you got a rotation of that's about eight deep, but you're they're they're really leaning heavily on the starters as far as production's concerned. I mean, you bring Riley Langerman off the bench; she's a defensive, you know, someone who who stars more defensively. Um, you know, okay. Mariam and, and Jersey aren't necessarily giving you. Uh, great minutes off the bench on a consistent basis. And that's one aspect that, that, you know, looking into this next month, you're leaning on these starters really heavily. And that's one reason why maybe they've had trouble closing games yeah. out, just kind of running out of gas for the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I think you can see that a little bit. Uh, I, I don't want to blame, like, tiredness. I don't know if that's necessarily a great word, but you can see, yeah, running out of gas a little bit. I mean, even Aaron. Um, making a couple free throws there late in that Ole Miss game. It's a different ball game. But still, you can't even say much. She scored over 30 points in that game. Mm-hmm. She has given it everything she has, but she needs a break. And that's when you're looking at someone like Miriam to come in and play a whole lot more minutes than she already is. So can that transition happen? Can she take a step forward and allow Aaron Barnum to have some breaks there? Um so that Aaron is stronger at the end of games because that's what you need. You need a strong Aaron Barnum at the end of these games and not an Aaron Barnum who has kind of worn herself out because she's playing so hard and so much. Alyssa, how fired up are you for the uh, stick and ball sports? Because you get softball. Oh, my gosh. Softball. Doesn't yes. softball start next week? Because they always start a week next ahead of baseball. Week? We're yes. like two weeks so away from baseball. Next week. So. You get high expectations oh, for so both pumped. of these programs. <laughs> and on an annual yeah. basis, Alyssa, we're used to that for baseball. I mean, it's Omaha or bust every yeah. year. Still yeah. waiting to get to Oklahoma City. Hopefully this is the year for softball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really the expectation uh, for Courtney Dyfel in this season as they get ready. Our, our Courtney Mims actually just sat down with Courtney Dyfel earlier this morning and excited to share that interview. We're going to do a this is the first time we're going to do a preseason softball special. And it's because the women are a top 10 team. They deserve the recognition. They deserve the attention. And we're excited to showcase that next week before the season starts. Obviously, we'll have one for baseball, too. But uh, I'm pumped. I mean, I, I grew up playing softball. That That is my sport that I played my whole life. And so I think I just have a little bit of a deeper love for baseball and softball. You know that. And um I'm excited to see the women play. They're a good, talented team. And then I'm just always excited for baseball. Baseball is, I think, uh, my heart and soul is really in baseball. I love all the other sports, but but I think baseball is really where my heart is. So I'm excited. Uh, you know me too. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Alyssa, we'll leave it there. Appreciate you hopping on. Thank you for all you do uh, covering Arkansas Athletics and especially coming on Halftime Weekly. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks, Alyssa. Alyssa, Orange Pig Trail Nation. Yeah, just like Arkansas baseball starts the season with a tournament on the road in Arlington, softball begins the season in Las Vegas nine days from today. Play against Weber State, UNLV, Southern Utah, and Baylor. They're going to be in... uh, I guess they'll be in Vegas for like three or four days. Not a bad place to start your season. Huh? Not bad at all. Go for them, man. That's that's super cool. Go out there, uh, get a couple dubs. That's right. It's February. It is stick and ball time. 
We can get pitchers and catchers reporting their spring training in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's right. The sun is going to come through the clouds any moment now. And hopefully the ice stops falling. Halftime back after this. Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast. It feels like Arkansas men's basketball right now is Debo Davis's team. Boy, has he come on. 19 points against the Aggies last night. That's a season high. He played 37 minutes. Uh, dishes out four assists. Got a little careless with the ball at times. The team overall did four turnovers, but only one foul. Debo in the last nine games, pardon me, seven games, Matt, is averaging just a touch under 17 points. He's hit 16 three-pointers on 35 attempts and isn't fouling much. Now, he did foul out against uh, Missouri. Three of his other teammates fouled out of that game, too. Right. So it wasn't just him. The last three games, three total fouls for, uh, for Devo, including only one foul in 37 minutes yesterday, and he played the full 40 against LSU without fouling at all. This around the same time that some of the focus on, on this basketball team is trying to defend without fouling, and yet their best defender is doing exactly that on a game-by-game basis, and he's filling up the cup. Absolutely a joy to watch. Uh, and, and yeah, Phil, the, the, the veteran, the, the older you get, you shouldn't be fouling out of games. You don't, players don't make a living fouling out of games. But he has been an absolute joy to watch. He's turned the page. I love the fact that he's getting in and getting shots up every day. He's getting in and prehabbing. Uh, he understands, man. It's, it's, he's, he's a veteran guy. And it, it, it reminds me of the story you saw the, the deal on Kobe Bryant on the Redeem team. When they all get down there and wherever, if it's Puerto Rico, Dominican, wherever they go out to, to do their thing. And the first night, uh, all the guys go out and they're coming back into the hotel lobby about 4 a.m. in the morning. And guess who they see in their workout gear is Kobe Bryant, the best player in the world going to get a workout in. So they all started to change their routine. And next thing you know, they're all in there working out and not worried about it. That's what Debo's doing. He's doing it. And, and you see the fruits of his labor. It's paying off watching him in, in the game. It's Man, he has just been a joy to watch these last few games. Again, the outside shooting for Debo is the thing that has just gotten so much better. Even really the last five games. But they're open shots, Phil. I know we talked about this. Like his shot selection, it's it's then the fluidity of the offense, and it's not pressing anywhere. It's just like, man, when I'm open on this corner three, I'm going to knock it down. Jordan Walsh shot a couple in rhythm. Uh, Ricky Council's still a little too much for my liking, but you can't take that out of his DNA. You know, he's he's the guy that's out there that he's going to fire. Uh, but yeah, Devo's. I think his. Slide, I mean, he was seven of thirteen again. That very efficient for an undersized guard, uh, being four of eight, fifty percent from the three. But man, you take that every every game. Remember, like earlier in the year, when you're like, all right, Nick Smith Jr. When he finally gets back from the first knee injury, uh-huh. you know, well, whose minutes are you going to get? Now, a lot of us were like, well, he's going to get Devo's minutes, or at least they're going to. He's going to take some of those minutes away. Uh-huh. I, I want those guys on the court at the same time. Absolutely. And, and again, this is this is an if and a when. This is an if and a when. Judging by what 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 Nick said on Twitter yesterday, um, you know, I think he hears he hears those who uh, don't believe he's going to play or that he ever had a thought that he wanted to play for Arkansas. He hears that, uh, and I can understand what he's saying. Why would I enroll at school? Why would I even? 
Why would I even enroll at school right now if I didn't have a plan to come back and play for this team? Um, and uh, man, I tell you, with with it's a team that still has its flaws. You know, I mean, you're not going to win too many games when you turn it over 17 times and allow near 50 percent offensive rebounding rate to your opponent. So maybe the legs for A&M did have something to do with it, although I would They looked also... a little tired. They, they look a little worn out, like they'd had a long day. It's a, sorry, it's a long day, but... And I'll just play devil's advocate here with this. It's, it's, not like they, it's not like they walked from Tulsa to Fayetteville. It's not like they pulled up in the bus just before the game and, you know, had to get out there and, and, and play without having a chance to warm up or even rest or put their feet up. Um, the the rhythm of their day was messed up. There's no doubt about that. They couldn't they couldn't you know give their little thank you notes that uh, apparently Buzz Williams. Uh, but they were there six won. hours before the game. You're exactly. right. It wasn't like they rolled in 37 minutes before the tip off. I mean, they had to they had an eight o'clock wake up in 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 Tulsa. We're all up, we're all awake at before eight o'clock. They're 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 ready. I mean, you get over there, get on the bus, get some breakfast, get get your shots up, and then you go back and relax for a second and get ready. I mean, we we're their athletes. You know, you know how it is. Ninety minute bus ride from Tulsa to Bud Walton Arena. It's not like it was a five hour bus ride. I've been on those five hour bus rides with baseball teams that get off the bus and then just go take batting practice and play. Uh, so it is you. It is something that can be done. You can do that. You know, so after the shoot around, they had their shoot around at what eleven in the morning, and got back to the hotel. Tip off wasn't until six. So I mean, maybe the rhythm of the day was messed up. And I understand athletes and people overall can be, uh, you know, just used to their routines. And if the routine gets messed up, then they have a built-in excuse for why they didn't perform very well. Uh, maybe they did look a little bit tired as far as that was concerned. So we have to. We can, we can split the baby here and say, you know, maybe it affected you a little bit, but it shouldn't have affected you that much. And thanks for showing up and not, you know, say, oh, we can't make it because of the weather. We'll have to reschedule. And, and no excuses because as players, we can't wait for the next game. It's when's the next game. I'm ready to go. However, we got to get there. Let's, let's go to the next game. So <laughs> I, like, I know. I like the, tw- the text here from Jody and Harrison, Maddie. So they got exposed for being the average team they are. I mean, dude, they were they 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 won nine of the last ten. I think that Texas A and M team. Uh, it was just a long day playing against a, a kind of a uh, an Arkansas team that's finding their identity and finding who they are and kind of starting to fire a little bit on all cylinders. They they just ran into one, and we're not scared of anybody. I'll tell you that Arkansas Razorback basketball team and Coach Musselman, they'll play anybody anywhere. And uh, I love the fight and the grit and the the determination this team plays with, and that that's one thing that's that's why I like. It. I mean, be, be a fun team to be a part of because they, man, they play so hard all the time. You know what you're getting. Well, they're playing like they've got something to play for. That that's for sure. And you know, Grant granted mentioned, yeah, you're going to play a South Carolina team that um, that uh, beat Kentucky. You know, on Kentucky's home court, so you can't outright dismiss. South Carolina, or maybe you can. And us on the road. They, they, they haven't won a game since then. Well, us on the road, we hadn't proven we can. And so, you know, we got it. It's about time, right? It's, 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 it, we're due. So, where have the road games been recently? At Vanderbilt, at Missouri. Gave up know. 63.5 to Vanderbilt on the road. I mean, that was the worst. That was one of the. That was the worst half they played this absolutely. year. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll chalk up the, uh, the Alabama game to Alabama just being that good that day. But uh, at Vandy, over 60 points, yeah, that was the worst that they played. But I agree with you, too. It's like, um, 
you know, I, I have trouble believing you can win on the road until you show me you can win on the road. So do it at South Carolina before you still need your first road win at Rupp. Where at- Kentucky's, you know, starting. I mean, they didn't look very good against Kansas, but they. Uh, they had their way yesterday with Ole Miss. A lot of teams have had their and ways with Ole Miss. You got to go to A&M. You don't think they're not going to remember uh, what just happened? And that would be a lot like that Missouri game. It, it is, it's going to be a fight when we go to A&M. Then, then, like you said, at Bama, at Tennessee, at Kentucky, those are our road games. Uh, the, if you're looking at it, South Carolina is the only one that you think that we even have a chance uh, of winning. So, so this is a game they need to, they need to get off the skid. And, uh, and and have the freshmen. This is a game where we're, they're not freshmen anymore. You go to South Carolina, you, you you get the W there on their in Columbia, and you're not freshmen anymore. It's a time to grow up, and, and, and the season starts now. Thank goodness it's not an 11 o'clock game on Saturday. Like It's one thing to play that on in, in football, 11 in the morning. I hate that for basketball. We played Vanderbilt one, one, game, one time early. Uh, it was, yeah, those 2.30 games are fun, but those 11 a.m., uh, oh, those aren't those aren't that fun. Women's basketball has to travel Saturday to play Auburn on the road Sunday. Now that's a team that has played really well on the road this year. In fact, some of their more impressive performances have been on an opponent's home court. Even the loss to LSU, the same LSU team that sold out over fifteen thousand seats for a Monday night win over Tennessee. That'll be interesting looking into the offseason because there's almost zero excitement surrounding LSU men's basketball in Baton Rouge. That's just a really bad team right now. And Kim Mulkey has lit that city on fire for her program. And they're getting more people for the women's game than they are the men's games right now. You see the same thing at South Carolina quite often. You used to see the same thing at Mississippi State. You know, when the women's program outshines the men's program, it'll certainly get... uh, Get, uh, get get people's eyebrows raised a little bit. I kind of wonder if Matt McMahon is very long for the job in uh, in Baton Rouge. It's not a basketball school. You know, you had a Brandon Bass, a Stromile Swift uh, back in the day, some guys that went to LSU. But when I think LSU, uh, you don't think we, – we played – speaking of that, Phil, uh, my freshman year, we, we played um, – either my freshman or, or sophomore year, we played LSU at LSU on one of those early morning tip-offs. There might have been 800 people in the stands for a boys' basketball. I mean, there was they didn't care. Like, you can just tell there was no atmosphere, no buzz in the arena, no excitement. It's not really a basketball school. For, 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 for guys' basketball, though. Yeah. It's a football school. Right. Where in uh, even baseball more baseball, park, huh? Yeah. In the baseball park, it's like a football crowd. And uh, now it's women's basketball school as well. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has Whip Shots. Whip Shots from Cardi B is vodka-infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of Whip Shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Hour number three of halftime on this uh, cold, icy Wednesday across the natural state. Bill Elson, Matt Jones, Kristen Johnston is running our studios now. We have uh, said fare thee well to Matty T for the next couple of weeks as he is headed to get married. <clears throat> Good luck and have yourself a lot of fun. So uh, excited about Christian being here. Uh, there will be in the next 15 minutes a press conference involving Sam Pittman discussing the February signing period and coaching staff changes. 
And all, not only will Coach Pittman be speaking, but also the new coaches that have been hired since the last press conference will be speaking. So we'll hear from Dan Enos, from Marcus Woodson, uh, Darren Wilson. Of course, Woodson, the co-defensive coordinator. Wilson coaching in the secondary, and we know Dan Enos is the offensive coordinator. And might be the... Well, you, you usually do hear from the coaches at some point, just not before camp starts. So it'll be a rare moment to hear from those guys. Again, that's in about 15 minutes uh, to uh, wrap up the late signing period. Did you see the story, Matt, of uh, at a uh, coaches convention that Sam Pittman was attending in uh, Alabama, Nick Saban made all the headlines uh, by talking about a couple of recruits uh, that wanted, they basically made money demand. You know, he had a kid, a cornerback asked for $800,000 and that another player from the same high school demanded $500,000 and uh, admittance for a family member or a girlfriend to get into Alabama's law school. And Nick Saban basically said he showed them the door. You know, he wasn't going to... Uh, agree for money to players that haven't, in his eyes, earned the money yet. Now, uh, you know, I wonder, Alabama's in a position where they can turn guys away. Mm-hmm. They can turn guys away. I mean, even even with these two players well, that he said he showed the door to, they still have nine five-stars and the number one overall recruiting class. You know, I mean, we've seen, I mean, look, the, the, the Texas A&M recruiting class from last year, that was called the greatest recruiting class in history. It was also the most expensive recruiting class in history. And I don't remember the number, but a lot of those kids aren't with the Aggies anymore. And Texas A&M just suffered through an incredibly bad season. Um, and, and I think the money given to those kids is one reason why the locker room was so incredibly dysfunctional. You know, So if you're a Nick Saban or you're anybody else that is in a position where you know, you, 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 A, have the money to offer kids like that. B, you've got the cachet of the, of the university, um, you know, to offer Uh a place to play in the SEC or, or, you know, one of the great conferences in the country. Um, you know, I don't know if Arkansas is necessarily in that, in that boat, but I also view, I, I view Sam Pittman the same way. Like I, I would have, I would imagine most coaches view it this way. Some can be a little bit more held steadfast to the idea than others that you don't feel like you can offer money to somebody that hasn't earned that money while he's there with you. And you never know what you're going to get, even from a five-star recruit out of high school. I mean, that, that just means they're an incredible athlete. And I'm sure there might be other aspects that go into it, but it's more about the ability to be a great athlete doesn't really have very much about the idea of, you know, uh, you know what's going to happen in the near future for these kids. I can understand where Nick Saban is coming as far as this is concerned. Uh, and I wonder if there will be other coaches that, 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 that start to view it exactly the same way and put that view into practice. Uh, or on the other hand, Matt, there's going to there's be another coach that says, you know, so this defensive back didn't get eight hundred grand from Alabama. 
I'm ready to throw it at him because right. we've got room in the secondary and I need somebody. And, and speaking of recruits, you see, uh, I don't know if it was Dow Loggins again, but South Carolina got the number 39 overall prospect. Uh, the, there's two five stars in the, in the ESPN 300 that haven't signed yet and uh, a guy from the Maryland area that's a, a, a tight end. So that's kind of his specialty. Uh, got in there and committed to, to South Carolina. Kids that are in high school for a couple years now have been, you know, they've digested the idea that you no longer work for free as a high school athlete. And it's not just And you think it's approached a little bit too, Phil, like how they walk in there to approach it, like acting like it. And I had, I had players tell me this when I was a freshman. And, and then when you, you go to the rookie symposium, man, you, you got to be thankful and, and all the people that came before you and you're not better than anybody out there like you haven't proven it yet you haven't done it yet you, you get the opportunity to come out here and play this game because people before you were, were here playing the game so kind of have that mindset to not come in and say hey give me my give me that you know whatever it's, instead of being thankful and humble a little bit I wonder if that has something to do with how they they approach it you imagine like walk, walking into Nick Saban's office whether you've got your parent there with you or not, and you know what you're about to, I mean, the word is ask. The word is also demand. Because mm-hmm. that's what, this is what it takes to bring me to this school. That's a demand. That's not just an ask. It's demanding. Don't even have a jersey number yet. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't even put your name on the paper. Wow. Not part of the program yet. That gentleman across the table from you doesn't have any loyalty towards you as you do towards him. At that point, it's just a business transaction, and that's it. It's a difficult place to. St- no, it's not where the relationship starts because they've. I mean, they they get to know each other over. They're the recruiting, of a few yeah, months. yeah. But you also understand now that the conversations of family and the work that you put into becoming the athlete that you are at the age of seventeen and where you see your future and all that. All of those conversations eventually then lead to. All right, what's it going to take to get you here? That's not. That has nothing to do with loyalty. That has nothing to do. The game's with, changing, right? Didn't Bob yeah. Dylan say say times are changing? Ron Burgundy's never heard that song. You know, it's it's they're definitely uh, th- things are. It's wild on the frontier right now. It's it's absolutely outrageous to think that high school kids that that haven't done anything at this level they come in and just demand that type of money. It's 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 outrageous. Well, and it, I mean, look, it's different when I think a player is already there on the team and has produced and eventually makes demands towards a coach that he's got the real personal relationship with because he's played with him for a couple of years. I think this has happened at Arkansas in this recent portal class, not on the incoming side, but on the outgoing side, where somebody's like, all right, this is what it's going to take to keep me here. and And I think... I think in a lot of cases, you know, a coach is going to feel um, like he's being held hostage, you know, and, and, and it's, man, it's a difficult place for that coach to be, you know, especially at a place like Arkansas where we can say that there are all these, you know, we got all the, all the money in the world and I know the name of the corporations that are up there and everything. Uh, I just don't think that the Arkansas NIL situation or collective is necessarily like where, an Alabama is or an A&M is. I mean, there's, there's a different set of boosters. Yeah, I think they have money that, that they can do whatever they want. And and the thing about A&M, and, and I'll, I'll say this, and I think this will hold true till till the end of time, 
you're not winning the SEC with a lot of freshmen. They they were never winning the SEC with a lot of they, like it takes you if you have more than seven eight freshmen starting on your team. True, fresh, you're probably not that good. It's just it's just how it, I mean. You don't need more than three or four fresh. I mean, it's an upperclassman game. I mean, you can have one or two freshmen play in that football. And I mean, like Sean Andrews, I always tell you, best player I played with. I mean, from day one, he showed up. He was better than everybody as a true freshman. So you get Darren McFadden. I never played with, but probably had a lot of the same similarities. I bet when he showed up, he was probably better than everybody. Ronnie Brewer on the basketball court shows up. Freshman, better, and you see it more in basketball than you do in football. But you got to have some upperclassmen if you want, if you want to win games in the SEC. JT asks, "Is this the start of the demise of college athletics?" Yes, it's the demise of what you've perceived as college athletics for the last you know twenty, thirty years. There were massive changes that happened at that point, you know, that changed college athletics to what it became and what it is today. You know, the difference, though, in, 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 in what we're, we're getting at here with this, and the NCAA on January 1st got, I mean, they, they can actually start to enforce some of the tampering rules, or if there were ever were rules, now they can start to enforce these for players that are on teams, that are part of a program already. You know, if you get, uh, like, the Jordan Addison situation from USC, uh, from Pitt to USC last year, I think under, un, un, if that were to happen now, it'd be a different thing. It'd be a different thing than it was before because the NCAA actually now on January 1st uh, is able to enforce this in ways that previously they couldn't. They're beefing up. I read, read Ross Dellinger in Sports Illustrated. He's writing about uh, the NCAA is beefing up the enforcement police of tampering and NIL, you know, with offers going to players that are on some other team. It's a different thing than high schoolers. It's a much different thing than high schoolers who don't belong to a program until they put their name on the dotted line. Um, So it's like it's a whole wild, wild west thing. There isn't any enforcement as far as that's concerned. What that'll take are coaches saying, no, no, we're not going to give you what you are demanding right now because I don't even know if you're worth it. You know, once a player's on the team, you get a sense of their worth. And then now, since it is against the rules to tamper, and theoretically the NCAA is beefing up their police force to enforce this, maybe there will be more enforcement of transfer portal um, tampering. But as far as high school's concerned, it is still wild, wild west. It, and the only enforcers, Matt, are the coaches. Yeah, and, and then they're, they're, they're a rotating carousel, too. And they're, they're transferring here, there, and, go, and so and then, then so they're calling people right away. That's, that's what, uh, I forget the coach that, uh, that was saying, you kind of got to re-recruit your own team now. And that's where it's kind of like, man, it's just dragging on. Because once you get your guys there, at least you think they're there. But if it's not going right all of a sudden other coaches calling them while they're still technically it'd be under contract and they're not supposed to have any uh, outside touch to them yeah again yes you're right jt it's the demise of college athletics as we know it college athletics going to stick around for a good long while Head to Twin Peaks and Rogers, your sports headquarters, where the 29-degree draft beer is flowing, the kitchen is bursting with made-from-scratch fan favorites, and the game is blasting from every angle. Stop in for the ultimate game day experience, or visit them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com to order to-go or delivery and enjoy your Twin Peaks scratch favorites from home. More TVs, bigger screens, plus their scenic views. There's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Joined here on a Wednesday edition of Halftime by Bill King. 
from Nashville Sports Radio, host in the morning, 6 until 9, the king of college football talk. And, um, Bill, I would say happy National Signing Day, but today just feels like an afterthought. Although there are kids putting their name on the dotted line, and we've got press conferences from coaches and everything, so... Is this eventually going to be back to regular signing day in the near future, though? They're talking about it. December's too busy. It's it's just too much. With the portal beginning in December, with what could happen with coaches, poaching, rosters, it's an ill-fated idea from the beginning. What they ought to do is let you sign somewhere in the summer before your senior year, if you're really that sure about it. And obviously start it before August camp begins sometime maybe in July or, and then let them sign again in, in the first Wednesday in February. What they've done is they've taken Christmas day, which was always the first Wednesday in February for decades and decades. And they've killed it. They've destroyed it. And you're right. A couple of guys, Nicholas Harbor, who is an absolute freak. Six five, about two thirty, out of the D.C. Maryland area, and is a world class Olympic speed guy at that size. Is going to sign with South Carolina, so that happened today. That was a good pickup for them, but it's really not a big deal. Yeah, I just saw. I just saw that he he looks like a stud, man. He looks like he can play a couple oh. different positions. Um, we were talking earlier about the the OC job at Alabama. Do you think Kingsbury might be a college guy like that where he hasn't had the success that you would think maybe in the NFL? Could you see Saban getting a guy like that? I think he's too much of a gunslinger. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, I mean, they throw the ball around, as we know, and when they had all those incredible receivers, that was something to behold. But I think, first and foremost, Nick wants to be physical, and they've lost that. They've lost their level, let's put it that way, of physicality. I just don't think that's a good marriage. Cliff's making a ton of money not to coach. Said he was going to Thailand. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see him at least this year. Yeah, I, I don't either. I just we we were. You think that Saban's going to get? Usually, he there's a name attached to that OC job. If it's Steve Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien, just the guys that come through there seem to be uh, have some clout to them. That's why I wonder who you thought uh, who you thought might get in there. But it makes sense. They 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 did lose that ability to kind of punch you in the mouth a little bit the last couple of years. By their standards, last two years they have not been as good as they want to be on the O line. And they haven't had a tough guy running back. And the Gibbs kid that they got from Georgia Tech is very explosive, as we know. But he's not physical. And they like to have a combination of that. And they're used to having a combination of that. And as we know, their receiving core, now, again, compared to their predecessors there, were maybe, I'm being nice if I'm saying average. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know other. I don't know another set of receivers that has been, that was that good. To be honest, true. I don't know it's true. It's some, a tough. It's a tough comparison. True. Yeah, it's it's almost unfair, but it's also you know. I mean, that's what you got to compare to is what you had before. Um, Saban yeah. also, I mean, made the headlines about uh, at this coaches convention uh, the other day. You know, uh, turning down a couple of recruits that asked for eight hundred grand and another asked for five hundred thousand dollars just to join. You know, just to join the signing class. Um, and I just wonder, you know, it's I read Ross Dellinger in the Sports Illustrated, Bill, you know, talked about uh, that the NCAA 
is beefing up their enforcement staff. For, and, and that soon, I think, is expected there'll be more policing of, of tampering in the transfer portal. But that's a whole different thing than the conversation of, of uh, money going to recruits. Um, and it's just what it'll take, because it does sound a little bizarre for a high school kid to be demanding. And it is the word demand, I think, is the right word. Demanding half a million dollars uh, to play at Alabama when he's never played a down for the school. It's going to take the coaches saying no. I mean, and Saban is in the position where maybe he can do that. I don't know. Maybe a lot of other coaches are not. But that's what it's going to take, right? Not only was that. Part of the demand, but also in that 500K demand is get my girlfriend in law school and pay for it. How about that? And now, that wasn't Bryce Young. If Bryce Young wants that, you're going to pay, right? But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Nick is trying to emphasize there. I guess he's trying to say we're getting we're getting beat up, too, a little bit here, even, even as mighty as we are. But I don't believe, look, I don't believe the NCAA is going to do anything. I... Last thing I'm doing is reading what, and Ross does a very good job, but but what the NCAA suggests they're going to do, they're not indicating they're doing anything with any of this mess. It is. It's. I, I don't understand a lot of it. Let me let me change it up. I do want to ask you. We had one of the greatest ever to do it, and I don't think anybody ever thought his career, Tom Brady, was going to end up like this. Uh, do you have a Tom Brady moment? Do you have something that just sticks out that you say, yeah, that was Tom Brady? Yeah, it's probably not what you're thinking. I'm in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe for the Fiesta Bowl, back when it was played in the right location, Sun Devil Stadium, and not Glendale, which is just awful. I hate that play. Anyways, and it's Tennessee, Nebraska, going to play in a couple of nights in the Fiesta Bowl. We're in a bar, and it is Alabama versus Michigan Orange Bowl which was one of the best Orange Bowls I've seen. Now, it wasn't as good as the 83-84 Miami uh-huh. game where they upset Nebraska. But anyways, and I'm sitting there watching Brady and coming back, back and forth. I believe it went to overtime. It was just a phenomenal game. And that was my first impression of him. And obviously, I'm not a big pro guy, so I didn't really – I knew all but the Super Bowls and saw him. But that would probably be my moment with him. Now, I didn't sit there. Matt and say, okay, I'm projecting him. Right. Uh, not at all. I just thought it was a marvelous performance, and it kind of made me go back to think about what he showed against a. You got to remember that Alabama team actually was one of Mike DeBose's good teams. They won the SEC that year and beat Florida and Spurrier twice. Now, the next year they tanked, and he got fired for a bunch of stuff, but that was a good Alabama team they beat with Brady. Speaking of another Michigan man, uh, I know you know the Broncos have who they're who, who they, their coach now because they traded for Sean Payton. But man, I yeah. thought I thought Jim Harbaugh, you know, when he said he was going back to Michigan, he was going to go back to Michigan. And then there's the reports that he was still talking to the Broncos. And you know, I know the situation with uh, his uh, former uh, co-offensive coordinator got a little bit out of hand. Uh, he doesn't speak to the athletic director and everything, so I just didn't right. know what to believe there with him because he was, it looked like he was still looking looking for a specific job in the NFL. Let me let me tell you, there's many different facets of Jim Harbaugh, and actually, some of this I admire. Jim Harbaugh doesn't give a rip what anybody thinks about what he said about whatever topic. 
it, whether he's staying or something political or anything. If if he's up fifty to nothing on a team and they're on the goal line, he's scoring, and mm-hmm. he doesn't care what the media thinks or what some you know talk show guy Bill King thinks or somebody on social media. And here's the other thing: like I told you, if he said he's staying and he doesn't stay, he could care less what anybody thinks about him going back on his work. He doesn't play like that. He doesn't care at all about that stuff. So he's going to go where he wants to go. They got their running back coming back. Uh, I I saw that. I saw where Raheem Sanders was third on the list, but the the kid from Michigan was number one. Uh, I think Frank Gore was top ten. You like Frank Gore Jr.? I I mean, he looks just like his daddy. Yep, he's good. Um, Blake Corm is the kid that Michigan member hurt his knee late, so Uh we didn't get to see him after that. And then his backup rushed for 200 yards against Ohio State. Both of those guys are back. Interesting. Um, I saw it, and back to the National Signing Day thing here. And I, so we talked a little bit about Jaden Rashada, the kid who uh, signed at Florida. Yeah. Uh, their collective reneged on $13 million. He's now signed at Arizona State. I had to laugh because he said that was his dream school. Like, All right. Well, you'd signed at two other schools before you signed at your dream school. It was just – but, I mean, this was uh, this was probably the um, one of the most heavily reported on – uh, recruits across the country outside of maybe Arch Manning. But, you know, Manning, I guess, got what he needed to stay at Texas. And Rashad, I just wonder what Arizona State's given him, if uh, if much at all. Nowhere near that number. Kenny Gillingham's the new coach. And he was at Oregon there briefly with uh, Dan Lanning. And uh, he's a hot-shot offensive guy. We'll see if he wins there. The last guy that won there consistently was actually John Cooper before he left for Ohio State. But and remember, he had Jake Plummer, and that, that was quite, quite Jake Plummer, back. yes. Yeah. That was, that's about it. I mean, there's no They had an Andrew there. Walter guy there, I think, that was coming out when I came out. Yep. Got drafted by Oakland. They had a little success. Yeah, you're right. Sure. Arizona State, Dirk Cutter was out there a little bit, but they, they, they've kind of, they haven't done what, oh. they, they haven't excelled, yeah. It's it's tough, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I I don't think he's getting a million bucks. Even yeah. even your boy Sumlin going to Arizona. I mean, the, the Arizona schools. When you think think Arizona, I think basketball. I mean, I really do. But you think you think that Mike Bibby, Jason Terry. Uh, you think basketball when you when you think Arizona or Arizona State. Well, her major you do, but I tell you, James Harden, Arizona there. State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, those two places are beautiful. Now, I know kids aren't necessarily looking at how pretty the lawn is when they're recruiting, but I'll tell you the other thing about Arizona State. It's the only other school besides Ole Miss where they redshirt Miss Americas. I'll just put it oh, that they, way. They, they got them out there. That's right. That's, that's right. Did I hear you say a moment ago you didn't like Glendale? Was there a piece of Arizona you're not a big fan of? Is it that stadium? Is it, what is it about there? First of all, they, sometimes they, they act like it's Phoenix. It's not even close to Phoenix. No, I, I was out there for the Oregon-Auburn National Championship, which was Cam Newton 2010, January 2011. And I've gone to a million Fiesta Bowls. They're always at Sun Devil Stadium. It's right there on that campus. It's gorgeous. Everything, the campus is wonderful. You're in the right by Scottsdale Temple. It's just beautiful. Glendale's an antiseptic, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, waste of space. The The... Facility is just antiseptic too. I don't like anything about it. I'll never go back. I don't care what what's going on out there. It's terrible. I've been to that. 
I've been to uh, to Tempe and 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 Arizona State, and I, I walked over there. We were there for women's basketball, and I walked right. out of the basketball building during practice just to go walk around a little bit. That the stadium is really pretty, and they were renovating it too. But you know how it is. I mean, you know, you're not going to play a uh, possible well a New Year's Six bowl or a championship game, unfortunately, at a stadium like that. Um, so, and I agree. I've been to Glendale. I've been there for a basketball game for an Elite Eight game, and. Right. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a weird looking place. I needed before we let you go. I needed to get your thoughts on the last few weeks for Stetson Bennett since the championship. You know, and the, obvious, obviously Georgia dealt with an incredible tragedy just the day right. after the 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 parade. You know, and 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 maybe that's maybe that's one reason. You know, why uh, whatever happened in Dallas happened. But on the other hand, I mean. I thought I thought he acted a little bit odd at the parade, and that was before the tragedy occurred. And then there's what happened in Dallas too. I mean, so you skip the Senior Bowl in order to go prepare for the NFL draft in Dallas, and I just don't see preparing for the draft as you know drinking until six in the morning and pounding on anybody's doors. Not like you know people can you know do what they want to do, but when you're preparing for the draft, like I don't know, that's. Not like he's going to be a first-round pick or anything, but, I mean, this is going to just knock him down a few Even more, more of a reason, right? Even more of a reason. Yeah, I don't really have much background there. Yeah, six in the morning, sun's about to come up, you've been into the bottle a bit, and you're pounding on doors. Somebody gets scared, calls the police, and you're arrested. Now, in the in the grand scheme of things, it could be way worse, and he could have been behind the wheel of a car, which Pat, he wasn't, so that that's the good part, but... Yeah, I mean, you got to be more responsible. But his bigger problem, guys, and I'm a huge Stetson Bennett fan, just the story, but he's not six feet. He's maybe 180. He's got a limited arm. And up there, he's not going to be able to run around like he does in college. I don't, I don't, if he's, he maybe is somebody's third quarterback. Bill, that's about, that's about it. Bill, I'm still waiting. You can make seven figures as a quarterback in the CFL. Why, why does, does he not, I don't, I, you used to have more of that. Back in the day with your Warren Moons, uh, your Doug Fluties. If I'm Stetson Bennett, I'm going to go be a face of a franchise in the CFL, make a million plus a year and, and, and play. I don't want to go be a third string and watch everybody else play. I mean, and you're probably making about the same amount of money to be a third string. Yeah, and again, I don't have a good answer for him. But I would imagine he's he's been showing people what he can do now is he an individual quarterback that's getting 50 a game in basketball you know in, in football but, terms? but like no, a Doug not. Flutie right like I mean he was right. an undersized guy that could throw it go up there and learn the game get in the right system maybe you come back and play a little bit I, I'm just surprised you don't see more yeah. quarterbacks do that I know it's ego it's kind of like you have a guy that can play D2 but he can be a walk-on at right. a D1 place, so he gets to hang around. Now, again, I don't know if that's what he's thinking, but sometimes you just don't want to. Mentally, you won't allow yourself to do that. Hold on one moment here, Bill. The last thing i got to ask you about, and it's it's about players that Arkansas has signed uh, in the transfer portal. Um, they've got three wide receivers that are coming from lower-level programs. you got a kid out of Hillsdale College Division Two. 
You got a kid out of Bowling Green, the tallest receiver in all of Division I football, and then another out of Texas A&M Commerce who signed with the program in, uh, in December. They've all been incredibly productive receivers. I find this one of the really more fascinating stories about Arkansas football for this next season is, you know, getting open in Division Two or FCS or in the MAC is a heck of a lot different than getting open in the SEC. It, I think it took Matt Landers like, you know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks of playing before he was getting open on a uh, on a game by game basis. I mean, what do you, you you look when you're looking at numbers like numbers mean something stats mean something but getting open also means something too and to me this is going to be fascinating about the Arkansas offense moving forward yeah there are a lot of guys that fall into that wide receiver category though and maybe not playing on high d1 levels who can play those guys are all over the place and I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two of those guys, you know, splash, make an impact. I wouldn't at all. Those guys are plentiful. I, you know, you're never going to hear that we just brought in three, six, four, three hundred twenty pound D tackles who eat glass for breakfast and sack quarterbacks. Right? Mm-hmm. Those guys are there's there's not hardly any of those. But there's all kinds of wide receivers and running backs out there. It's 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 a plentiful crop everywhere. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.